Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories, and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being here with us today. If you're listening live, today is Christmas Eve. Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, if you celebrate other holidays, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, um, you know, Festivus for the rest of us, <laughs> whatever, I hope you're having a great holiday season. Um, it's a really exciting time of the year. And I want to take a minute out. Um, you know, to first of all, of course, let you know that I'm so glad you're here with us. I do appreciate you, um, especially if you're, you do happen to be listening live over these next couple of Christmas days. That's that's pretty cool, you know, because I know how busy this time of year is. Um, I'm grateful for you, and I'm glad that you're here. But secondly, I wanted to take just a minute to talk about something that we can be really clear about on Christmas Day or the days leading up to Christmas that I hope we can be clear on for the whole year. And that's really, truly understanding what's important. Do you have a clear idea in your own mind the things that are really important in your life, in your business, in your family, what's important emotionally, what's important spiritually. Do you have clearly identified what's important? I mean, it's so easy when we're kids, right? Uh, yeah, especially this time of year because there's that thing that we want under the Christmas tree. And it's so important to us. And we just will die if we don't get it, right? You know, I mean... Do you remember what it was like to be five or six years old and wake up, and, you know, the night before Christmas and you can hardly go to sleep and you're just sure you'll never be able to fall asleep. And then because you're little, you totally do. You crash out. Um, and then, and it depends on your house. It's kind of funny, actually, because some of my earliest memories around my house was actually my mom who... For those of you that know my mom, you wouldn't guess her being the one that would be up, but it was actually often my mom that was the one who was excited for Christmas morning. You know, we had, uh, you know, some Christmases that were amazing what was under the tree, and we had some Christmases that were amazing what was under the tree, you know what I mean? We all go through times like that. Um, but that sense of wonder that crisp snow outside don't get me wrong I am glad I'm in Southern California and that the sun is shining today and that it's nice and warm I wouldn't trade it for all the snow that any of y'all have but as a kid there's something about the blazing fire and the new fallen snow with it still being dark or the sun just barely coming up, 
Christmas morning and the lights are all lit. And depending on what kind of mom you have, there may even be the smell of like fresh baked cinnamon rolls was the one my mom always did. Oh my gosh. For those of you that ever wonder uh, why I uh, have a weight problem, the cinnamon rolls all by themselves may be the issue. <laughs> oh, those things were good. Um, you know, it's those kind of things. And you wake up with that sense of wonder and you're looking at the presents under the tree and, and there's that thing that you're looking for. You see... On a day like Christmas Day, when we're a child, we're so focused on, on the now, on the what, on the today. You know, Christmas Eve is that day that is that last day that, oh my gosh, can I just get through today because tomorrow is Christmas, right? I want for each of you to have a what and a why that is so clear that every night when you go to sleep you have a hard time quieting your mind because you're excited about the things that are going on in your life. You're happy to be you. And then you wake up each morning expectant, ready, wanting to live that day, to live the abundance of that day. You see, abundance is a mindset. Abundance is, and don't quote me on this, but I think it was Deepak Chopra that says, abundance isn't something that you find or you develop. Abundance is something you tune into. It's not a direct quote, and if that's not who did it, I'm very sorry to whomever it is, I saw it on a wall somewhere. But I hope that you can get the concept of tuning into abundance. It's about our minds being free enough to accept, to receive all that God has for each of us, if we're willing. You see, most of, our, most of our problems with receiving, whether it be a Christmas present or the millions of people that can come into your life who you can serve, and yes, the money that comes along with that, but really more than anything, the difference that being you will make in the world. But you have to tune into that. You have to be ready for that. Today, we want to talk about planning. We want to talk about having a plan, whether it be a plan for your future. You know, what are you going to do after you retire? Some people, they either A, think that they're going to work until they drop, or B, uh, have a magical thought that it's just going to be okay, and when I retire, everything's going to be taken care of, or C, they really are just avoiding it. And I'm not saying that there aren't, you know, the D people who really do have plans, but I'm talking about those of us who, you know, really haven't focused on our retirement like we should. My dad just turned 80 this year, and, um, and he's very seriously now looking at retiring. And, 
and, uh, you know, having something beyond working. And he loves preaching and he loves being at the church, but, but um, you know, he's also acknowledging that he's, he's old. He's older, you know. 80 years is a lot of years to have worked. He started working when he was probably 12 or 15 years old and has worked ever since. So we need to plan. We don't want to let a time when we finally get to it, whatever age that might be, when we get to a place where we need to move on to a new phase of our life and we haven't prepared because we think that all of our life is going to be that phase. And yes, that, that has to do with retirement, but it also has to do with, you know, think about it. Those of you that are my age, 52, I'll be 53 next week, getting older. Uh, you know, it's different to be in your 50s than it was to be in your 20s. And when you're 20, you don't think so. You think, you know, oh, I'll have this energy and this drive my whole life. But it's different to be a 50-year-old than it was to be a 20-year-old. There's also a lot of wisdom that comes through having lived for 50 years as opposed to, you know, having only lived for 20 years. And so there's goods and bads. But we need to understand that each phase that we're currently in is going to come to an end. And we need to have a plan for our future, for our retirement, for the next phase of our life, for the next phase of our business. We need to always be innovating. We can't allow what worked yesterday to be the thing that we expect is going to work forever. Companies that have not allowed themselves to innovate are companies that don't exist or are still struggling. It's interesting to me every time I go over railroad tracks because the railroad industry is the perfect example of what I'm talking about. There was a time when rail travel was the thing. When getting a rail that would go from east to west coast and once it was connected so you could get on a train all the way over in New York City and make it all the way to the west coast. That was amazing. It was so innovative and so interesting. But they didn't realize that they were helping transport people. And so when things like airlines came around, now these days, have you looked at an airline ticket and compared it to both the time and the cost of a train ticket somewhere? Now there are some of them that are really good. There's a train that goes down from Seattle to Portland that's like 20 or 40 bucks. Um, it's not bad at all. And it's um, because of the nature of how train traffic works, it's a pretty express train. So it's, it's not bad at all. Um, but if you look at going from the West Coast to the East Coast, you're probably looking at about two or three days worth of travel now on a train. And I hope you have a, uh, uh, you know, a sleeper car so you're not sleeping in a chair. It's about their lack of innovating themselves. And later they had to become innovative or else there wouldn't be any train travel at all. 
and they realized that the safest way of transporting the most toxic of goods is and always has been via train and not via a truck. And they had to innovate. They had to plan for their future and not let the future come on them and realize that because they failed the plan, they had failed. Innovation and planning is so important. And so while we look at a day like Christmas and the expectance of the knowing what we want, it's a day like today that we can take and really as adults think about what is our plan? What is our what and our why? What are we supposed to be doing? Why do we get up in the morning? What drives us? What propels us? Who can you serve? Who can you help? Who's that person whose life you can make so much better? That's awesome. That is so amazing to be able to be in that place. Do you have a clear what and why? I hope you do. I hope that on a day like today, when maybe possibly in the afternoon, or even Christmas afternoon when, you know, all the kids are off playing with their toys and it's just kind of quiet, that you'll take some time for you to really think about what are my plans for the future? What would my retirement look like? What are some innovative things that I can do? Now, next week is New Year's Eve, and we'll be talking a lot about 2020 and some of the exciting things for 2020. But even now, I bet you already have plans. You've probably done a bunch of planning for your business, and you probably really have some solid and exciting things that are going to be happening. Make sure you understand why. Make sure that in your plans, you've taken into account the future. Yes, your retirement, but also the next phase of your life. Make sure that your plans are brilliant and innovative. That you haven't just already decided 2020 is going to just be a repeat of 2019. Even if 2019 was the most amazing year of your life, 2020 is going to be even better. I know that for you. I see that for you. And I want you to embrace it. More than anything, I want you to really embrace your why. Like a child Christmas morning who wakes up expectant, knowing that that thing that they've been longing for is right there. I want you to embrace the why you are who you are and what you do in the world. And wake up expectant, ready to see the lives that you can impact and change because you're living as a thriving entrepreneur. It's such an amazing and powerful thing. And I look forward to hearing from each of you all of the things that you have planned as you look forward and you live expectantly 
living out daily your why as you live as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and then we will be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. Today we want to talk about plans and innovation. We really want to take that why that propels us in life and really put together some good plans, both for our immediate as well as for our future. Things that will really help us be the best we can be and really truly maximize today. I hope you're ready for it. Got some great guests here for you, and I'm really excited to be able to help you really stretch yourself, even today, to have the plans that will really make the biggest impact in your life. Retirement is one of those kind of things that is looming for all of us. I mean, unless, of course, you're already retired. We want to have a great retirement. I don't know anybody that doesn't, but yet a lot of us just put off the planning or don't have a plan at all. And so to help us today, I'm joined by international best-selling author, Craig Mazuraz. Ah, Craig, I didn't say your name right. That's okay. You're not the first one, Steve. It's Mazurazi. <laughs> Mazurazi. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Craig. It's been one of those That's kind all of right. Craig Mazerosti, and I am so excited about his book, Simple Retirement, Seven Simple Steps to Your Best Second Half Life. Thanks for joining us today, Craig. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Steve. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do uh, in this world. Sure, yeah. I'm, well, I'm an a independent uh, fiduciary advisor. I'm, I'm uh, uh, located here in, in, in Southern California uh, in the Temecula Marietta area, and we have um, offices out in uh, the Coachella Valley as well. So we serve uh, a lot of people uh, here in um, in Southern California. And uh, started about, like I said, 20 years ago, and and uh, really with a very specific sort of goal. I wanted to be an independent fiduciary advisor. I, I didn't want to start with a big box. Um, 
you know, financial company or a brokerage or an insurance company or anything like that. I wanted to make sure that that I was able to um, offer clients, you know, the very best sort of independent uh, options out there. And and uh, and so it, yeah, it's 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 uh, worked out um, really well. And uh, I specialize mostly in in helping people that are getting close to retirement or in retirement. And um, and so that's what the book is about. It's a simple retirement, and just sort of getting a a, a basic financial structure in place so that you can really uh, focus on you know the really important stuff of retirement and the meaning and the, maybe even rediscovering yourself in retirement. That's awesome. So simple retirement. I mean, I think most people at least feel like the concept of planning for retirement is anything but simple. Uh, can you talk to that for us a little bit? Right. Well, sure. Yeah. And, and I think you're right, Steve. I think people make, you know, well, advisors uh, are typically guilty and the financial services world is guilty of making things sound so complicated. You know, we like to throw around big terms and, you know, alpha and beta and sharp ratios and Monte Carlo simulations and, and make things um, sound, uh, you know, complicated. And, you know, I, I think too much of that is coming from the financial advisor trying to prove, you know, exactly how much they know. And, and I think it's really more, uh, you know, what I've learned over the years is it's, um, you know, there's just some core things that we need to get in place. And, um, you know, it, it, and it helps, you know, just coming from a, a fiduciary standpoint where your goal, your, see a lot of people don't realize that, you know, in the fiduciary or in the financial service world that you have um, different standards. So you, so there are um, uh, brokers and insurance agents are held to what's called the suitability standard, which just basically means that as long as it's generally suitable, the solution for you, then, then, uh, then it's fine. But not too many of us are, are happy with just things being okay, right? We, we want the best solution for our specific situation. And that's really what the fiduciary standard says is that, uh, you know, we want to give the best possible solutions that we possibly can for each individual client. And, and usually that just starts with identifying, okay, what, what are, what are they trying to achieve? And everybody comes to, you know, the situation with different needs. Um, some people, um, are very conservative and, and uh, you know, they, they want to make sure that they have a paycheck in place in, in retirement. You know, they're, they, they're, they want to make sure that they have those guarantees for the rest of their lives. And, and uh, uh, others maybe have a pension or maybe they're fortunate and they have Social Security and a pension in place and, and, they, and they already have their income in place. So it's completely inappropriate to talk to them about income because they already have their income in place. They're they're trying to just make sure that their investments are safe and that they, uh, you know, make a, a reasonable rate of return and protect their assets. And then other people are are thinking, well, I'd like to take a little more risk. And so it really it really depends on you know what someone is trying to achieve, Steve. But I think for the most part, um, we want to we want to definitely make sure that we get uh, you know income that someone can count on for the rest of their life. And that's the foundation of a peaceful, happy, simple retirement. Mm, I like that. Peaceful, happy, and simple. 
Wow, that's that, that's a tall order, but I do like it. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty good, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, you talk even in the uh, description of your book about the roller coaster of fear and loss, especially after the crash in 2007 and things like that. There are a lot of people that are afraid that they'll turn 70 or 75, still be very vibrant, but not have any money all of a sudden. Can you... Can you explain to us how we can hedge against that in a safe way that doesn't make you still feel like you're on that roller coaster? Yeah, well, of course, yeah. And it's, it's really important, you know, that, that we understand that really the financial service industry is set up and advisors are set up, Wall Street's set up, in a way that's, it, it, it's sort of this idea that the way that we invest is to just invest and stay invested no matter what. And it kind of goes back to a buy and hold approach. And uh, most people uh, have been, most advisors have been advocating that same approach, whether their client is 20 years old or whether their client is, you know, uh, 70 years old. And, and so, um, my feeling is that we have to make sure that as we're approaching retirement, that we take a little bit of a different approach that we, we, we take, we're really shifting more into a preservation mindset rather than um, an aggressive growth mindset that we might've had in our twenties. And, uh, you know, I don't think that Steve, you bring up a really good point. I don't think that most people, uh, first of all, understand uh, how much risk they have in their portfolio. And, and when you start to look into things and you see, you know, that a lot of, a lot of people have, uh, you know, S&P 500 index funds, or they have uh, other types of index funds that are just, um, or, or maybe they have mutual funds at a, at a big brokerage or, or something like that. And they have this sense of that they're, uh, that, that, that they're, that these don't have a lot of risk. But when you understand that, mutual funds uh, by prospectus, they've got to stay invested uh, in the market, typically at least 80%, then that's where people get hurt because as you get into retirement uh, and we, if we experience something like we saw in 2008, where we saw uh, you know, a 56% uh, drop in the market from the peak to the, to the bottom um, in, in to end of 2007 to 2009, or 2000 to 2002, where we saw another 46% uh, drop, we 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 see that um, you know if you're if you if if you're in, in that type of situation, then um, and you're and you're required to to and and you've got that sort of you've been told that that you could just got to hang in there and hope for the best. Well, unfortunately. Um, most people in retirement, if you ask them, are they comfortable with that kind of risk of losing half of their life savings, um, then they're certainly not, that's certainly not the kind of risk that, they're, that they want to take at this point in their lives. And so what we try to do is to show that there's some different options out there and different ways of approaching, um, approaching it. We like to use um, different types of uh, approaches where uh, where we've got money invested in accounts that that are 
guaranteed. So we might have a, a certain percentage uh, of accounts that are guaranteed, but their growth is linked to an index. So they can get most of the growth of the, of the market without putting that money at risk. And then for money that we do want to have a position for more growth, and we, we, we look at certain particular uh, money managers that don't believe in just blindly buying and hold, but they will, um, they will take proactive steps to make sure that, um, that uh, we go to a, a safer uh, risk-off position if we start to see a, a 2008 uh, situation coming. So there's lots of different kinds of approach, and of course, it always gets back, Steve, to what's best for somebody and in their individual situation and, and what, their, what their risk tolerance is. Thank you. I appreciate that uh, definition for it. You know, TV <laughs> commercials are constantly bombarding us with this is the right solution. And the one that came to my mind was, um, you know, if you buy gold, it is the absolute perfect investment that will never fail you. Um, you know, is there really anything like that? That like, you know, you can just, if you do it this way, you're completely safe regardless forever? Really, is, there is not, Steve. I mean, it, there isn't any perfect investment. That's, that's a fallacy. There, there, you know, different things are better um, for different people depending on what they're trying to achieve. And, you know, even gold is considered to be safe, but it's extremely volatile. So, uh, you know, you wouldn't want to have, you might want to have, um, you know, some put away in gold, for instance, for, uh, you know, uh, uh, an emergency of some sort. And, you know, it's not a bad idea to have some gold tucked away, but you certainly wouldn't want to invest your life savings in gold because of the volatility of that. And uh, we've seen some incredible uh, volatility. So, um, yeah, I would say that there is no such thing as a perfect investment for sure. It, it really, it always gets down to really digging into what someone's trying to achieve and then making sure that they're comfortable with the amount of risk that they're taking, that they're aware of the amount of risk, and that we um, make sure that uh, um, we we have uh, the income situated so that it's that that income they can count on for the rest of their life, because that's a whole other uh, thing we can talk about. But it's you know um, we're living longer today, and not only are our life expectancies going up, but there's huge advances in biotechnology and, uh, and, and you know, that, that are indicating that um, it's, it's in our, all of our best interest, um, you know, take care of our bodies because in the next uh, 10 years or so, we're probably uh, going to see some incredible advances that will increase lifespan. So uh, as, a, as an advisor who's talking to people about the rest of their lives, we have to keep that in mind. We have to really plan for long, um, uh, you know, long lives and, 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 and life expectancies that are getting even longer. Mm, that makes a lot of sense. I know that for each person, it is very individualized. And so I apologize in advance that this is an unfair question. Just want you to okay. know that I know that, okay? <laughs> All right. But um, I do like to be good teachers on the show. And I do know mm -hmm. that underlying in anything is some basic principles what is one thing that the listener could do that would help them um, be more prepared for their retirement? 
one thing that someone could do to be more prepared for their retirement. Okay. So I think the, the biggest thing that I see, Steve, that, that is really the hardest thing for people as we, as we get to the point where we're, where we're at retirement or we're close to retirement, we, we tend to have a certain mindset um, that has gotten us to this point. And so that mindset typically is, um, you know, I've, I've got my savings and my investments and, and I'm trying to get them, I'm trying to get them to grow as much as I possibly can. And, and, um, and I'm, and I'm delaying gratification and I, and I, and I'm accumulating and all of a sudden you get to retirement and now it's completely different. You know, in the book, I talk about the fact that that, part that accumulating and saving that's the part where you you're climbing up the mountain but where most mountain climbers will tell you most problems occur is on the way back down the mountain and that's because you have a completely different mindset when you're trekking up the mountain than you do when you're coming down the mountain and so for people approaching retirement it's really uh, very 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 important to begin to change your mindset because you're the way your brain works is that you you've got these well-worn kind of pathways of how you've been successful in money and in, in growing your money but when you get to retirement now all of a sudden it's all about making that money last for the rest of your life and and you're starting to take money out and distributing for the rest of your life and making it last as long as you can and taking a lot less risk um, than you did before. And that's especially important now, Steve, because, you know, here we are 10 years into the longest bull market in the history of the stock market. And not only um, do we need a different mindset for retirement, but it's likely that we will probably experience one of those major corrections that we, we haven't seen in, in over 10 years. You know, most likely going to see one in the next few years, and so it's very, very important that people change their mindset and begin to take take less risk. And if 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 you were to ask me one thing like that, I, that's what that's what I would say is, hey, really take a look at what you've been doing, and don't assume that that what you've been doing is the right uh, philosophy for um, for retirement. The book is called Simple Retirement. Seven Simple Steps to Your Best Second Half Life by Craig Mizrazdi. Craig, thank you so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me, Steve. I really appreciate it. You can, of course, get the book on Amazon. Um, and Craig, is there a way that people can contact you directly? Absolutely. Yeah, uh, they can just drop me a line at craig at agewisefinancial.com. Perfect. And um, and catch right. me online, okay? Awesome. Thanks again, Craig, for being here with us today. You bet. Thanks, Steve. Planning for your future is so important, and I hope that you have great plans so that you can live an amazingly abundant life as a retired person, that you don't have to work yourself into an early grave or work every moment of your life because you just have no plan in place. I hope that you have plans for each of the phases of your life and that the phase called retirement is something that will be an amazing opportunity for you. And that even in all of that, 
you'll find yourself saying, you know what, I'm retired, but I'm still living as a thriving entrepreneur. Doesn't that feel good? I like the sound of that even just as I said it. I hope that you have plans in place to do that. And if not, reach out to somebody like Craig and have them help you be able to put together that thriving plan for your future. I know you will. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back on Thriving Entrepreneur. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. In the last segment, we were talking about planning for our future, for retirement specifically. In this section, we really wanna talk about innovation. What things can we do to be innovative, both in our business especially, but also maybe in our life? You know, as each phase of our life comes up, there are new challenges, new opportunities. And the question really becomes, are you innovative today? Are you maximizing today? Ooh, that's a good question, isn't it? So I really do hope that with this next guest that you will think about some ways that you can even make use of technology and really be innovative as you move forward into the future and as you live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. Are you ready for it? Let's jump in with our next guest. Join me in welcoming Laurel Lau. How are you today, Laurel? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. So tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. Uh, so I am an innovation facilitator and I am also traveling at the moment while uh, working. So I'm a digital nomad also. Digital nomad. I love that world. So, um, so what are some of the coolest places that you've been able to work from recently? Uh, so this year has been half a year in Shanghai and, uh, it's definitely a Mecca. So it's been really interesting to experience technology, uh, with the Chinese and, um, and also my colleagues who are also expats there. So, um, yeah, so it's definitely a good experience to be able to see the new China. Nice. So when you talk about driving innovation for organizational growth, can you give us kind of a basic definition of what that means? Yeah, so there are many 
many methodologies definitely uh, within teaching innovation process itself. Um, what we focus on is helping teams work better. And um, there's a process in getting uh, teams to be able to better understand how they work well together and if they're maintaining the company DNA and the team DNA. Uh, so what part of what we do is help organization understand the innovation capabilities they have um, and so the strengths and weaknesses that they can learn from and understand and grow. So what is, I noticed here on your speaker sheet, um, something called an innovation IQ. Um, explain that to me and tell me how you score that. Yeah, so uh, innovation IQ, it's uh, developed by Innovation 360. It's just more of a, a, a metric for organizations to understand uh, where they stand out of a scale of like 100. Um, it's just to be able to have a value uh, to share whether people are writing uh, for their budget, writing reports to show investors where they're at. Um, to be able to show how far the organization has become in, in learning to be more, uh, to grow their capability as a learning organization. What is, um, so many questions I was thinking of. <laughs> uh, have you ever had a, a company that just totally failed? Uh, so, uh, totally fail. So I, so I'll run you through the process. I realize I haven't under, uh, explained the the process itself. Um, uh, we we do an assessment and help organizations um, collect data from the surveys that we give out, and from there we can understand the different perspectives of managers and employees and. Uh, and the execs of what's actually happening in the organization um, to see how well uh, how well the internal external uh, innovation is happening within the organization. Um, so it is definitely a range of companies that you can do the surveys with. Uh, it works better in my perspective uh, if it's at least of a certain size. Um, it, the complexity makes the survey actually even more valuable, uh, if that makes any sense, because it really helps organization understand if they're aligned or not. Um, so failing like that is, uh, we have to understand what is failing itself, right? Like um, if your score is uh, below a certain point, for example, if it's like 55, then there's definitely a huge improvement uh, that can be attained. Um, but to say that that is failing, to recognize where you're at, that's the value of understanding it. So you can't say, if, we, if you say that is failing in itself, to not know, um, to not be aware, to not want to understand where your company stands, I see that it, that's more of a failure than to start to understand where your strengths and weaknesses are at. Sure, and I guess, guess I was just thinking back to the school model of, you know, I got a 65, I just barely got a D minus on the test <laughs> yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's more for 
uh, understanding on the range and the scale if you compare to the most innovative companies in the world uh, where your organizations stand. Um, and it's not to say that, uh, it's to really understand pinpoint problems and obstacles and, and find a better way of uh, being able to build the organization up and see what's the most strategic way to, to go about it. That's awesome. So the company takes the test, um, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, it's really about growth. What kind of things do you help them with then after they've evaluated where they're starting from? Yeah, so for example, a company did an assessment with me and I, uh, our team realized that supply chain and sales uh, needs some more support most support. So we, from the survey itself, we can paint, pinpoint uh, the areas that they need more support in and, um, and how to develop the training program for it. So it's in a way to really pinpoint where are the uh, opportunities, uh, opportunity for growth um, so that you're also cutting down costs for whether it be consulting services that you'll be using afterwards, training services you'll be using, um, just to understand from an organizational structure point of view what needs to be shifted around. So have, what is the biggest thing that you find companies kind of across the board are really struggling with when it comes to their innovation? Is there something uh, universal? Yeah, so what's interesting in the the uh the leaders that i'm talking to um more so what they're finding what they tell me is that there's not enough talent for what for innovation that they want to build or the innovation that they think is important for the industry itself um but to 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 continuously hammer that in as in um as, a, as an attitude tor towards your employees, towards your team, um, that can definitely hurt the culture and the morale if, they're, uh, if the teams are not uh, thought of as um, um, having the ability to change and grow. Um, the ability to empower and challenge and provoke these different teams to be able to understand how they can grow is a way to instigate creativity. So um, it's, it's also to be able to for learn to tell a new story about the organization and where the organization is heading. So ultimately it kind of boils down to the overall culture of being innovative as a company. Is that a fair assessment? I think uh, culture is a very important aspect. It plays uh, uh, definitely a pivotal role. Um, I think when you try to understand uh, an organization, like there is so many aspects to uh, understand and that's why we've, uh, we've chosen to use an evidence-based uh, system to, to go about it. Um, but yeah, culture is definitely, I believe it's a huge component of um, being able to motivate teams in the right direction. So what is the biggest resistance you find after they've gotten the test taken that the members of the C-suite are, you know, 
often not open to being able to change in their company. Right. Um, so definitely um, my experience uh, is that there is a lot of complexity to the survey itself and it reviews a lot of uh, intriguing data. Um, I don't show all of it just because I want to highlight the important elements. Um, it's important for the consultants coming in, the trainers coming in to have uh, a perspective and be able to advise the direction the organization should go in. Uh, but it's all on the um, organizational leadership to, to pick and choose uh, how they want to go about it. Um, I would say right now what I see is like, from my experience, the focusing in on too much of the obstacles and removing on the obstacles and only understanding that aspect. Um, sometimes you forget the opportunities and where you can grow in and, and build on that. And that creates more of a momentum to be able to set new eyes on what's what, what needs to be changed within the organization itself. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a huge, um, it's not, it's not a one, uh, it's not a simple task at all. And I'm also learning in the process with the organization, what is their best DNA? Um, but um, it's been really enriching to be able to, uh, to walk side by side and be able to um, shift the way the teams are organized for solving specific problems within an organization. So for the different corporate officers that may be listening to the show, what is the ideal type of company that you like to work with? I would say medium-sized companies, um, uh, above 2,000 uh, employees. I would say that's like a comfortable size uh, for, uh, for my company, uh, Six Atlas. So um, it doesn't require the organization to be a little bit more complex um, so that the survey does have a full effect. I believe that it contributes more to more complex organizations. Perfect. And uh, if somebody wants to engage with you further, because it sounds like it is a complex process, yeah. it would be really good to have you come in and do for them. Yeah. Um, how would a person contact you? Uh, they can uh, find uh, find me, uh, send me an email at uh, lauriel at sixatlas.com. Um, if not, um, uh, LinkedIn would be also a good way. Yeah. Laurel Lau um, with Six Atlas. Laurel, I really appreciate you spending some time on the show here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. So what are you going to do? today, while it's called today, to be innovative, to make plans, to make a difference in your tomorrow. There is so much you can do, and I really do hope that you have some bright plans for things that can really make a difference in your world. Because you strongly understand your why, you know who you're helping, and you know what you can do today to be innovative, to be powerful while it's called today. That's something that all of us can do. We can take the most advantage of this 24 hours that is today. 
And that, in the end, is really the secret to living as a thriving entrepreneur. I want that for you. I hope that you're on that path. Let's really all work together as we innovate in each day of our lives. We'll be right back. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. Um, If you're listening live here on Christmas Eve, thank you. I mean, I realize how busy Christmas Eve can be. Um, And if you are, uh, you know, listening on the replay, if it's a sunny summer day, um, I hope that you still got some real good help and insight into really how to plan and be innovative. Because ultimately, for all of us, that's really what's important is, is to live abundantly in today. Um, I've brought it up so much lately, but, uh, you know, that quote from my good friend Ernie Villanueva, yesterday is a canceled check, tomorrow is a promissory note, today is the only legal tender that we can spend. And sometimes the best use of today is the creation. Um, It is the plans for a bright tomorrow. I do not use that phrase in saying that it's like, well, you know, just don't worry about tomorrow, it'll take care of itself. But more that, you know, the maximum use for today may be to have a really good plan for retirement. It may be consulting somebody that's a professional that can help you be able to get things really truly taken care of um, in an effective and powerful way. That is a great way of maximizing today. Um, and so don't under, um, undersell the uh, importance of planning, of innovating, of creating. Um, it isn't all just about every single day you got to make sure that you close another sale. Sometimes what you need to do today is make sure that you're marketing so that you have leads for tomorrow. Sometimes what you need to do today is innovate so that your company is on the cusp, on the cutting edge of what can be. All of those things are powerful uses of today. Each of them, I hope, having in mind the fact that ultimately it's for that person that you're meant to serve. And it's for sharing of the story that is your life to now. You see, 10 years from now, you will be in a different place. 
you have the choices to be able to decide whether that's good, bad, or indifferent, but you will be in a different place 10 years from now, regardless. You'll be 10 years older. Life will be different. It just is. It continues moving. Nothing stays stagnant. The water that's in the stream in front of you is gone and, and has evaporated and gone back through the cycle and is now the rain that's falling on your head. All of those things are true each and every minute of every day. So the important thing, the best thing that you can possibly do is to make the best use of today and to have the best plans for tomorrow. To review yesterday only from the standpoint of up-leveling yourself and then let it go. And then really powerfully share who you are today. You've learned some things. Doesn't matter whether you're my, who is at the time, eight-year-old granddaughter and you're sharing the story of having met her best friend in the whole world. Or whether you are, you know, like Errol Abramson, who's at the end of an amazing career and just wants to say to the world, I did it. You can too. Wherever you might be, anywhere on your journey, you have things that you have done so far and the world needs the insight that you've learned from that. Imagine how good you'll feel giving the gift, <laughs> tying back to Christmas, giving the gift to somebody of showing them where that pothole is and helping them not be able to have to fall into the ditch that you did. Share with them your wisdom and your insight. Be giving and loving to the people that come into your world today. It's so powerful when we can really truly be the best version of ourselves today. When we can live each day of our life as a thriving entrepreneur because you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. I hope you know that you're not alone on this journey. Bestsellersguild.com is a great place to go to find like-minded individuals and to continue on your journey of sharing your message with the world. Until next time, have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. You've heard Kathy and I talk about it. You've seen the workshops. You have watched as others of your friends have become a best-selling author. And now it's your turn. Let me ask you this. What would being a best-selling author do for your business? Over 80% of people surveyed said that they want to write a book, which means that if you're listening, you probably are one of those people. Now is your time because you have a message that needs to be shared. That message is not for you. It's not for your ego. It is because it serves other people. Kathy and I are here to help you share your unique brilliance with the world. 
All you need to do is go to wehelpyouthrive.com, check us out, and find out how you can be a best-selling author today. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.